0: You wanna be saved? You gotta become Jesus's. You gotta become his. He has to have you. You have to give yourself to him. He has to be Lord. It's not, yes I believe that Jesus was out there and thank you for the get out of hell free card. That's not what they're saying. There's nothing nothing like that suggested in this sentence. They're saying, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's gotta be Lord, he's gotta be in charge.
1: was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington, and this is Contemplate. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Great to have you along today as we continue our podcast series, Contentment in Christ. Could you use a little more joy in your life? Silly question. We could all probably use a lot more. Well, today, Pastor David will teach us about real joy and how to have it. We'll begin in Acts chapter 16, verse 27, where an earthquake happened at the prison where Paul and Silas were, and the keeper's response when their chains came off and the prison doors were open. Here's Pastor David.
0: But this earthquake happens, this guy wakes up, he sees the prison doors are open, he realizes it's over for him. He assumes that everyone has left. The doors are open. They're free to go. There's no reason that they would stay. Why would he assume that they would leave? Because when you're in prison and you have a sentence and all of a sudden your chains are loose and the doors are open, you run, right? That's what people do. That's human nature. This is what he knows. And so he knows it's curtains. He's done. He doesn't want to go down like that. The Romans were not particularly compassionate when it came to executing people. And so he thought he'd just take care of that himself now rather than go through that whole thing. So he draws his sword out to kill himself. Let's see what happens next. Verse 28. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Paul yells at him. Hey, nobody left. We're all here. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't kill yourself. He's probably yelling loud to, because this guy's probably about to go through with this thing. And they're all there still. Now, why, why are they all there? This is, this is interesting to me. And I, and I thought a lot. And I tried to do some research on what other people had said about why all these prisoners were there. And I didn't find much um, in, in, in the research out there. But why were they all there? I understand why Paul and Silas would be there. They're going to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And clearly there is something, as we'll see in the rest of the story, that was about to happen here. And so the Holy Spirit said, stay. And they trusted him. And so I see why Paul and Silas were there. But these other guys, some of whom were probably sentenced to death, their chains are loosened, right? It said that all of them, everyone's chains were loosed. Why didn't they run? The doors were open. Why didn't they run? Now, the text doesn't tell us. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that Paul and Silas had shown them that that the power of the Holy Spirit was sufficient to give contentment even to two men who were serving God and as a result of serving God were beaten severely and put in prison that they could still be content in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that that was something that was contagious and that these people wanted to know more about it. All right. Let's go on to the next verse. Let's see what happens. We're in Verse 29. Then he called for a light. This is the prison keeper. Ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. So it's dark in there, right? Or in the inner prison, it's about midnight. We know that. He's got to get a light to go in there and see these guys. He gets this light. He runs in and he falls down trembling. Now, why is he trembling? He's Probably because he was about to kill himself, and that's probably a little, it'll shake you up a little bit when you're about to stab yourself with a sword, I'm guessing, never tried it, Um, but I'm I'm guessing I'd be trembling a little bit. But I think he's also trembling because his world has just been shaken. His world has just been shaken in a dramatic way because the things he thought he knew about reality, about the way people acted, about all of these things have been turned upside down as he realizes that these people are still there. And so he's there and he's trembling. Um... Let's, let's look at the next verse, because that'll, that'll help us work through this part. It says, and he brought them out. He brought them out of the prison, okay? So he goes in with the light. He brings these guys out. Now they're standing here. And then he asks this question, this powerful question. He says to them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? The trembling man whose world has been turned upside down. The earthquake shook more than the ground. It shook this guy to his core. And now he's asking them, what must I do to be saved? He's broken. He's broken before the Lord. He realizes his need for salvation. Now, um, I realize this guy's just been near death. And that if you're that close to death, you're probably thinking some things like, what's going to happen when this sword hits its mark and I stop breathing? Those are thoughts that are probably going through his head. He probably realizes in that moment that maybe he doesn't have everything figured out. And then, and then we have the testimony of Paul and Silas, and I don't know how much he knows about Jesus at this point, but there are some indications in the text that he probably knows something. First of all, we, we have the fact that Paul and Silas are singing hymns and praying. I don't know how much of that he heard. Maybe they had been um, witnessing the gospel to the other prisoners there. Maybe he heard some of that. We don't know. Maybe he heard them preaching in Philippi at some point. Remember, they had been around. They'd been going around preaching Jesus, but Remember that this girl who had been possessed by the Spirit had been walking around saying, she'd been saying something very specific that's related to his question. She said, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And whatever else he had heard, he probably knew why they were there. He had probably heard this story. And so he knew at some level that these guys had answers. These guys had answers. There was something so different about them, and so he asked them, he asked them. And, and every person here who's a follower of Christ has a story like this, some kind of a story, and it may, they're all different, and they take place over different amounts of time, and they, and they have different circumstances, but in, in, in a certain way, they're all the same, which is that for those who become Christ followers, who, who, who end up seeing the truth of Christ and become Christ followers, their world at some point has had to be shaken up. Their perception of reality and the things they believe had to be put in a different way because if they were able to stay in the way they were thinking, they never would have followed Christ. But something had to happen. Something had to change them. And, and of course, my prayer is, is that for those of you, if you don't know Christ, if you're not a follower of Christ, that he would shake you up in this way. The fact that you're here now suggests that he's drawing you to himself and that this is probably on its way for you if you have not already become a follower of Christ. Let's see what happens with this guy. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they answered him very simply. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved, you and your household. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot going on in that small sentence. There's a lot going on there. They're not saying so that we're clear, believe in Jesus, like believe that he existed or even that he rose from the dead or whatever. They're saying believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that word Lord has implications that explode through that sentence, the gospel in one sentence as it is here. The word Lord means something significant. Let's, let's walk through, there's a thing called the outline of biblical usage, and this is one of the definitions they give for the word Lord. Put it up on the screen there, it says, he to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding, master, Lord. Paul and Silas are saying, you want to be saved? You've got to become Jesus's. You've got to become his. He has to have you. You have to give yourself to him. He has to be Lord. It's not, yes, I believe that Jesus was out there and thank you for the get out of hell free card. That's not what they're saying. There's nothing nothing like that suggested in this sentence. They're saying, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got to be Lord, he's got to be in charge. You've got to be willing and ready to give yourself to Him because, of course, He created you and knows what you need. The relationship that's right, the one that that fits, the one that's got the beauty and the truth in it is the one where you give yourself to Christ. And that's what you have to do to be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we have to do to be saved. It's no different now, things have never changed. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, it means you believe that Jesus came to the earth, that he died, that he rose again. Yes, it it means that you believe that he's he's faithful and able to forgive your sin, that, that he paid for it. Yes, it means that you believe that he loves you. Yes, it means that you love him, all of those things. Ultimately, though, all those things are wrapped up in making him Lord. And so in one very short sentence, Paul and Silas Preach the gospel in the simpleness of this. Jesus has to be Lord. Jesus has to be Lord. Let's read kind of the rest of this story here. Verses 32 through 34. It says, "'Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him "'and to all who were in his house. "'And he took them the same hour of the night "'and washed their stripes, "'and immediately he and all his family were baptized.'" Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. So the first thing he does, this guy's like, okay, tell me about that. And they're like, absolutely. That's kind of what we're out here to do. And so Paul and Silas, they, speak, they preach the gospel, they preach the word. They do what they always do. They show, they show that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as they do that, this man and his whole household... Belief. They come to believe in Christ. They, come, they become Christ followers. They make Jesus Lord, and immediately they're baptized because that's what we do, right? Our baptism, that's, that's, that's acting in obedience to what Christ has called us to do, and we're showing through that that we're his, that he's Lord. That's the thing. And so they do that. They get baptized, right? I find it really interesting that they make him preach first, and then they go clean his wounds. Like, he's so interested, he's so excited about being saved and knowing Jesus Christ, he doesn't want to wait a minute, even to help these guys out who are literally open wounds, gaping, probably don't have that many clothes off because they ripped their clothes off to beat them down. So these guys are just like blood and whatever. My brother gets mad at me when I don't dress nice enough when I preach, okay? These guys are preaching with like blood coming off them and everything else. At least I don't do that. Um, so that's where they are. he waits until they have preached, And then he goes and washes their wounds and, and they get baptized, okay? And then they eat together. And this jailer, who at the beginning of the story was so content and comfortable that he knew the way the world worked, that he had it figured out. He knew all the things to say and all those things that were true. He didn't need God. He didn't need any of that. He's sleeping like a baby. And from that... It's almost dead to becoming a Christ follower all happens in this very short period of time God took somebody who didn't seem like he was looking for God and brought him to himself and that's what he does It's not about us. It's about God drawing you to himself He loves you Don't think that you are diligently seeking God because basically not many of us really do that in a real way. Now, we seek sometimes, but oftentimes we're seeking to prove our own biases or we're seeking to make sure that we're okay in what we're doing, whatever. I'm not saying there are no true seekers out there. I hope that there are some seekers here in this room who are seeking truth and who are truly seeking after God. That's what we're here for. But this guy wasn't. This guy was sleeping. He's chilling. And God saves him. And what's his response? He rejoiced. He rejoiced. And that's a kind of a weird word. I mean, it's not weird, but it's just not that cool of a word. Um, you know, if somebody's like, hey, man, I got a new driver's license. And you're like, oh, rejoice. You know, it's, it's just not, it's not the way we talk, right? It's not the way we talk, but man, is there some meaning behind that word? Man, is there some meaning behind the concept of joy. First of all, being filled with joy is evidence that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is in your life. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these, Against such, there is no law. Those things that I just read, the joy, the love, the peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things are your birthright for those who are born new of the Spirit. They're your birthright. Living in those things, those are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit makes you alive in Christ. You get these. And this guy shows it immediately. He's rejoicing. And listen, joy is not um, happiness. It's especially not that goofy kind of happiness that can be kind of annoying. That's not joy. That's goofy happiness. And that's okay. Sometimes it's fun. There can be too much of it sometimes. If you know anybody like that, I don't know. Um, But I love joy. And I love happiness. But happiness is not joy. Joy is that deep, deep feeling. So much further down, so much deeper than happiness It's this feeling of gratitude, thankfulness, contentment that we feel and that comes from our confidence and our trust in Jesus Christ. It's the only place where joy comes from. It's the only thing in this universe that you can have that kind of confidence in. You take that step of faith in Christ. You know, we've talked about the evidence. The evidence is there. It's not that big of a step of faith in Christ. It's more about giving up you for him and letting him make you who you really are. But in that moment, what comes back is joy. Why? Because joy is that feeling, that deep feeling that we have when we trust in the faithfulness of God through Jesus Christ. That's what it is. It's the natural result of saving faith in Christ. It's believing what he's promised us in Romans 8, 28. And that says this. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. The feeling that comes from believing that God is in control, that he's sovereign, and that he'll do what he said he'll do. Work out all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you believe that, if you believe that, that's going to give you joy. That's not just happiness. That's way more than happiness. That's a contentment that can take you through beatings and chains, that can take you through death, that can take you through the valley of the shadow of death, that will take you through all of those things, knowing and believing and trusting, hey, I know in whom I believe. I know it. I know what he said he's going to do. And he's going to make good on that, and I can rest content in that, that all things will work together for good, whether I understand them right now, whether I'm confused, whether I'm angry, whether I'm sad, whatever I'm going through, I can still have joy. I can still rejoice in the Lord and find strength in that. We're commanded, actually, to have joy. Remember, Jesus went to the cross for joy. that Jesus paid for your sins. It was for joy that he died for you. And it's joy that's the result of you accepting that, believing that, and making him Lord. We're actually commanded to rejoice in the Lord. Paul writes a letter to these people, he's in Philippi, right? He writes a letter to these people, the Holy Spirit through him. And and it goes to, it's called Philippians. It's in the Bible. And in that letter, he he talks about joy a lot. But there's a couple things he says. Verse 4, 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He's got to repeat himself. Hey, listen, this is a command. This is what you as a follower of Christ are to do. You're to rejoice. You're to have joy. It's to be in your heart. Sometimes, sometimes I fail at that. Or at least, let's say this, sometimes I fail to let others see the joy that's in my heart. Sometimes I fail to let that out. Sometimes I, I don't think about it enough, or I'm not concentrating on that joy that's there. And, and when I do that, I have to wonder sometimes that people might think, maybe this thing isn't that joyful, this Christ following. But when I, when I get in that place, I, I remember, I go back to those moments to that moment of Christ drawing me to himself, to that moment of freedom and recognizing that the chains were gone, that I was free in him. And the joy comes back, and it comes back fast. Nothing gets me more joyful than a couple of things. Remembering what Christ has done for me, obviously my children, my wife, my family, and you. Seeing what God is doing in you gives me joy like you can't believe. When I sit and talk to you, and I see the Lord working and growing in you, the joy that I have for you is so incredible. And you should have that for each other. You should have that for each other. That's a feeling that can take you through anything. No matter what I face, I can go back, and I can draw from the well of joy that the Holy Spirit has built in my heart through these things, and we are called to do that too. So today, and every single day, let's remember the promises of God. Let's trust and believe in them. Let's not have a lack of faith, because a lack of faith will cause a lack of joy. Joy is in, is in that faith. It's in that belief. It's in that trust in Christ. You start to not have that trust and that belief and that faith, you're going to start not having the joy. The joy is a result of that. So let's believe. Let's trust. God has been faithful. He will be faithful. Let's have joy, because here's the thing, and I talked about this a little bit earlier. Your joy is contagious. Your joy affects other people so that they want to know where it comes from. I mean, even happiness does that, right? Joy all the more. I remember, you know, some of you know I'm a fan of the Washington Huskies football team. they you know, whatever. I started that when I was young. But here's why I started it. I had this buddy. I wasn't into it at all. I wasn't even into college football. I mean, I played football, but it wasn't like I wasn't super into college football. I was actually into the NFL back then, not really so much now. But at that time, I had this buddy, and he was so Into the Washington Huskies. He could literally, you could ask him the score of a game from any time in like the last 10 or 15 years, and he could tell you the score of the game. A little crazy, a little nuts. And I thought it was a little nuts. Okay, he's a little bit of a Husky freak. But I tell you what, that joy was contagious. I'm like, this looks like a lot of fun to be a super fan of this team. Now, I didn't become a fan like him. I couldn't tell you the scores of any games, probably, Um, maybe a couple. But, his happiness, his, his being so into it was contagious to me. Now, let me tell you something. That's nothing. That's nothing. You can have joy in your heart that spills out into your life that will draw people, that the Lord will use that to draw people to want to know who he is because the joy comes from him. And you'll have an opportunity to see people literally go from death to life. This is important. This is important. This is for you. And in in it being for you, it's for all those who will come in contact with you. This joy. So for those of you who are not following Christ yet, this joy is for you. Just come to him. He's brought you here for a reason. You're sitting here because he wants to shake your world up. It's a shaking that is going to define everything about the rest of your life and everything you do and every relationship you have. And there is so much joy in it. I'm not saying there's no pain. I just told you these guys were serving Christ. They got a beat down and put in prison. Maybe that's for you too. I don't know. Um, But the joy is there for you. The joy is there for you. I can tell you that. And normally that's, I don't know anybody who's had that particular experience. But you never know what's on its way. But I can tell you this, whatever comes, whatever life hands me, and I've had life hand me good and bad, all kinds of it. And I can tell you this, there is nothing that will take you through that like the joy that comes in giving your life and surrendering your life to Jesus Christ as Lord. And so if you don't know him, that's for you. For those of you who do, for those of you who are Christ followers, please don't forget that we're commanded to have joy and let's remind each other. Now I'm not saying go to somebody when they're, it's okay to be sad. I'm not saying you can't be sad. Sadness is part of life. There's grief, there's sorrow, there's all those kinds of things. I'm not, don't go to a person who's, you know, just lost somebody and go up to them and be like, you're a Christian, you're supposed to have joy. That means you smile all the time. That's not what joy means. That's not what joy is. Joy is not I'm never sad or I'm never mad or never any of those things. All those emotions can be good and appropriate in the right time. Joy is that thing that's behind all of that. Joy is that thing that's still there even when you're sad, even when you're mad, even whatever that says, I can't be moved. While I'm sad or while I'm upset or while this is bothering me or while whatever, I can tell you that I have a contentment in believing that ultimately Christ is going to make all things new. There's nothing that's broken, nothing that's broken that for the person who follows Christ and loves him will not be made new. And that's where the joy comes from. And I just, I'm just saying, we gotta, we got to express it. we got to express it we got to live that way. You live that way, and I promise you, people are going to come to know the Lord. The Lord is going to use you to draw people to himself. And there's not going to be, I don't think there's going to be a lot of greater joys in heaven than have gotten to be the person who the Lord used in any way to draw another person to him. That's, that's, that's beyond incredible. And all of you are already, That person, every single person who who serves and gives and loves and and, and is dedicated to Acts Church, all of you are part of that. In your own life, and all the things you do, just little things you have no idea. But one of the most powerful is this joy. So if you don't know Christ, like the Philippian jailer, you can be saved. You can know him. Talk to me. Talk to somebody sitting next to you. Talk to one of our elders, our deacons. Talk to somebody in this church, and we'll tell you all about what it looks like to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can be saved. For those of you who are, listen, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice.
1: You've been listening to Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington, and this is Contemplate. So, would you like to have that joy in your life that Pastor David was talking about today? As he explained, it all starts with and hinges on a relationship with Christ as you give your life to Him. And I'll tell you, it's the greatest and most important decision you'll ever make. Now, if you still have questions or just need a little help figuring all this out, come see us this Sunday morning at Axe Church. We would love to help you find the joy that we have. You can get directions and all the info you need at axcamus.org. That's axecamas.org. Or call us at 360-885-9000. That's 360-885. 885 Hope to see you this Sunday I'm Ron Hagel Thanks for listening and please join us next time for more with our teacher Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate